Welcome to the Bushy Black Brother Network. Good afternoon and welcome to the Minorities Report. I'm Michael Yofuji, Black Brother. And today I have my special guest with me that's been living with me for about 35 years. She is Alicia Carr. How are you, Alicia? Hello, it's me. <laughs> so I wanted to have Alicia on because she's been going around the world doing so much and my minorities report podcast really talks about what a lot of people do community wise and with different diversity women children minorities so it was real important that we did that so this was a good opportunity since we just got back from london with the bcs what was the call of the conference that you went to, baby? It's called Spa Conference. Spa Conference, and it was hosted by the BCS uh, Chartered Institute for IT. So BCS is the British Computer Society, LTD. So how did you run at getting into this conference, movie? Um, I submitted a talk to them. And I think it was listed on Women Who Code newsletter. And so a lot of the um, conferences now don't go through a certain, like there's Paper Call I.O. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are posted in like different places for women to submit the talk. And so I just so happened to submit a talk there and... You have to log. You have your own login, and you check in. You know the okay. status of your talk, so forth, so on. So they're soliciting. It's not like you have to go looking for them. They kind of solicit and say, "Hey, look, let's put it out there so women can easily find it," mm-hmm. as opposed to y'all go find out and see what's available. Well, that's what a lot of tech conferences do now. You know, okay. there's a lot of people in technology, and what they do is that they reach out. They ask for people to submit a talk, and if they like. The, the submitted of your talk. Yeah, the content. Yeah, the, and then they would say, hey, listen, um, we would love you to keynote. And so that's how I got a lot of, you know, got into the, the tech conferences is by submitting uh, a talk, you know, several of them. So help me with the difference. Um, and maybe some of the people may not know because you, sometimes you, you talk and sometimes you keynote. What's the difference between the two? Keynote is when you open up the conference. You can gotcha. open up the conference at the beginning. You could do a lunch keynote, or you can close the conference with a keynote. And that's where one talk, that one time, mm-hmm. everybody has to be there to listen to that talk. That's a keynote talk. That's a keynote. Mm-hmm. Or if they said, we would like for you to have a talk during our conference. That's a difference. That's a difference. A cause, yeah, that's difference because there's like... Um, Certain times, they'll have two or three different keynotes on a certain time. So, for example, after the keynote, you may have five different talks, mm-hmm. you know, um, at right after the keynote. So, you get to choose from different ones that you want to listen to or learn from right, right after that. So, th- that's why I'm asking because, you know, I don't want people to just think you went to the conference and everyone had a keynote because mm-hmm. it's called a keynote. But the keynote is the main, one of the main ones. Right. Well, and they strategically putting that in the conference, right? Because, like you said, you you start it or you end it, 
ended mm-hmm. or like a mid lunchtime. Yeah, say like, hey, look, mid lunchtime. This is right before lunch or whatever. We want to make sure y'all get this one, mm-hmm. and then we move on, and then more talk, 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 talks. Exactly. Okay. So, which one did they actually? Which one did you submit? Put it that way. I submitted um, how I became a developer at fifty one. At fifty one. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be like a pretty popular because. Why do you think it's popular? Put it that way. Because of the fact that a lot of people who are challenged, let's say, okay. who don't believe they can do anything, no matter what age they are, mm-hmm. I inspired them because at the age of 51, I taught myself how to code to gotcha. build a domestic violence app. So it became such a popular talk because a lot of people don't believe they can do it. They'll mm-hmm. get to a point in their lives that's like, I can't do this. I'll just... You know, be where I am. I'm hearing. I hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't do it. I don't want to do. Or not that I don't want to do it, but nobody's going to support me in doing it, or nobody's going to want me once I do it. And once they hear my story, they're like, You just motivated me to. And it's not just women; it's men. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then there's young young people of all ages that mm-hmm. I have inspired, not realizing that I have inspired them to further on a career in technology and to coding. So who did you who did you coordinate with? There was a I know we we met a couple of people but um um who was the like the main coordinators and who did you kind of Talk interact to? with it, interact G- with? When I was there or with during the conference. Or Giovanni is the main person. Um okay. Jen Jen Ashley been new for years. Um And who is Jen? Jen is the how would you say the one of the directors of Women of Code Europe? Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. not not just one location in Europe. Yeah. So she she handles Europe. Yeah, she handles Europe. Yeah, so yeah, I met her. She was an amazing. Woman Jen too. is off the chain. Yes, yes. She's, she's so intelligent, so poised, very very intelligent. I've really very powerful. Enjoyed her. Yeah. Very powerful. It was a pleasure meeting her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you said Giovanni. And she's one. Yeah, Giovanni and her is the chair for. Um, for the um, Sparks Bar Conference. So, what is Giovanni's position, though? Um, Giovanni, they say he's one of the chairpersons. Just a chairperson. Yeah, he's conference the chair. He, him, and Jen are the chairpersons of the um, organizers for the Spark Conference. So, Jen really is the director of Women Who Code. But outside of being the chair, did did he say what else that he did? I don't remember. He worked for. I remember he worked for a company, but I don't remember the name yeah. he worked for. I didn't. I didn't really get a chance to break that down because you know he was. <laughs> me and him was talking, and he said, "Yeah, I talk a lot." I said, "I talk a lot too." And <laughs> so it was kind of hard to get that in to say, "Oh, by the way, where do you really work?" Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if we was to contact Giovanni, he would tell us what about. Yeah, yeah, he would. But yeah. he he was he was he's an amazing he had, person. He was great. I loved. Too. I mean, he had a great energy, and I love the way he just you know like. Alicia, you know, we were so excited you being here. You know, and that was amazing just hearing him yeah, say so that. He, he was he was really good and um the setup was pretty decent. We was I forgot what building we was in. Now this is a small conference. Yeah, it was a but the it's um the BCS, which is the British, British Computer Society. Right. They are seventy thousand strong community. But yeah, because they do a lot. They do a lot of certifications and a lot of computer training, and they're part of a, a, a huge society. And mm-hmm. mostly, they have in a magazine. The UK, yeah. yeah, they have a magazine. Mm-hmm. 
Also, they have um, actually do data on women in tech, trying to keep the numbers strong and knowing how many women are in technology, coding, the numbers or how low the numbers are for women in technology and how to bring up the numbers. Mm. We did talk about, you know, they did an interview with me and they wanted me to help them understand. I said, the first thing is, is that you got to spread the word. Women have to see other women doing it for them to bring the numbers up. You said that doing your doing your talk as well. Though. Yes. Because yes. one of the gentlemen kind of, you know, and you can yeah, kind of improvise or whatever. And he was like, so how do we get more women to really get into it? And, and you basically said. You have to expose more women to other women. I mean, so, you know, women don't feel that they're good at it until they see another woman doing it. And you also have to expose young girls to it as well. Yeah. And so, you know, they don't want to see a man. They want to see a woman. or a, And I, it's nothing wrong with seeing a man, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make a woman want to be a coder. So subconsciously, it's not that they don't want to see a man, but... If you see someone like you, exactly, you can gravitate toward it a lot more easier to say, wow, I, I've seen someone that looks like me mm-hmm. or the same gender as me or same color as me. Wow, maybe I can do this. Right. And, you know, the norm is a white male showing up and telling you, you can do it. But if you keep seeing the same people, how do you know that you can do it? It's different when you see, it's like, that's what I was telling people. Um, I was doing a conference for Lean In, and I came in late, and I jumped on stage. And then the host said, Alicia, you know, Alicia did this, 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 this. Alicia, tell your story. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling my story. And then, you know, once I got off the stage, and all these young people just came, gravitate to me, and, like, asking me all these questions and and then I realized that's when I think I that's when I realized that I'm have inspired I can inspire young people or when they see me they understand they realize who I am but you can inspire more than young people so well I, I wasn't I aware of that I wasn't well, so I, I've told you but you didn't believe it until you saw it I've always told you I said people are listening to you when you don't think they are and some people won't tell you, but you can tell by their whole body language, their their focus when you're talking, that you are inspiring them. And they're saying, wow. And then, you know, when I have the off conversations, when you're in the middle of talking with people, you are inspiring people. There's people, and I know you had the conversation, there's people that saying, I can stop what I'm doing now and I can start a whole new career. Because look at what she did. And that's what you've done. You know, and that's what makes it more amazing. I know it's 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 crucial to get the young people so a, a generation can walk into it and know that they can do it. But I think it's just as important that people who felt, well, I can only just be an admin for the rest of my life to say, I can change careers because look at what Alicia did at 51. Yeah, I understand. So I just find that, you know, your your inspiration is, is really key, and that's why uh, these talks are really important. But this, the BCS is, they started in 1957. Mm-hmm. This, that, is, this is an old organization. Yeah, though. it is. It is. And and like I said, it's a, a unique organization. 
You know, because they when the guy told me, he said, we got 70,000 members. And to me, that seems kind of small. But where you're talking about Britain, that's big. The UK, yeah, absolutely. That's big. And, you know, for what they're trying to do in this small community is amazing. I was very surprised that this conference was so small. But it didn't bother me. It was the. But it, it shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, absolutely. I mean, for them to bring me down to London to do a small conference is a hell yeah kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But your content was relevant. Yeah. It was about the content, and and the thing is that you should never lose sight of is your story resonates around the world. That's true. It's not just that's true. Lawrenceville, Georgia. Yeah, that's true. Your, your story resonates everywhere. Because somebody in Budapest may said, I can never be a coder. And you show up and said, hey, it took me 51 years, but guess what? I'm doing it, and I've done it, and I'm letting you know you can do it too. Mm -hmm. And that person was like, wow, I guess I can. And, you know, when we went to London, what was the responses after you got off stage? Because... No, tell me how you did your talk, and you did make some changes on that. Well, I made it more of a storytelling. Okay. And so because there was so many things that I was missing and a lot of things that I realized that was very important to the story was the fact that how I put my hand on the, my first computer and how it continued on, not realizing that that touch continued on within my life. Mm-hmm. The fact that I decided to learn MS-DOS and D-Base. Right. And everybody was laughing their asses off because they knew back then that was the only way to code. Exactly. And so me putting it on my resume, getting the job, and realizing that I have no college degree. And them dumb women over there had to have a college degree to do customer service. And that's when I realized just how powerful learning computer programming back then was computer programming. It wasn't coding. It wasn't coding. Yeah. Yep. Was sure wasn't. The way for me to get into computers. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so, and that's why I kept I kept telling that story the way I did because I started to realize it didn't just start there. I just kept on learning on and on and on from hardware to HTML. And but you had an appetite for technology, right? And that's what. And so, because people, because I started on people understand. Well, you just you didn't know no other code. And so when I was telling the first story the first time, I didn't mention that. Right. right. And so when people say you didn't have no other hands on code, when I realized, yes, I did. Yeah, you yeah. had plenty of. Them. I had plenty of. So I had to change it up to let them know. I have been coding this much and learning this much and this much right. and still, so don't think I just all of a sudden. Out of the blue said, I'm, I'm going to do this. Code. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So you had brushes of coding and programming as your career went on, your life went on. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I really liked that you actually did too was you didn't just go with tech. You kind of started saying, during my life. I traveled here and as a mother and then because my husband did that, I had this and then I started working because it didn't sound like you was had a whole tech career because you didn't have a whole tech career. You had a life as a mother, as a wife, as just a regular worker with tech in between there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, I liked it because some people – Never think that way because when you walk on stage, you're a coder. They forget that you have a life 
outside of that mm-hmm. other than, oh, I just love coding. Because you that's true. Part of your talk earlier was I always wanted to code. So it sounded like I've been coding all my life. Right. Exactly. But in a way, you have been but you did have a life in between there outside of coding. Yeah, because I found ways to, like I was telling them about the website. Mm-hmm. I created this website because I wanted to learn HTML. Then I realized, oh, I found this thing that I wanted to do for my daughters to get the books, save it on the website. You didn't You didn't go enough into that, though. No, I didn't. I know I didn't. But I think it was crucial that you kind of injected because... Amazon didn't have any black books <laughs> and you really couldn't find any black books. So, cause you said it before in one of your talks, when you was talking about that, you created a website and you said Amazon couldn't do it and Barnes and Noble and all of that. So I decided to make a website when I found these books to put it on there so people can do it. Mm-hmm. And I even had relationships with the authors. So you, you've done so much in your life that people can know that you're not myopic and I've just done this. No, I've done this. I've done that. Exactly. I had stores. Yeah. I had this. I used my technology mind to start selling online as opposed to um, a brick and mortar. But when even when I got a brick and mortar, I went online to find out new vendors. And you've done so much through your whole career in life with technology but it wasn't exclusive in technology. Yeah, and that, but that, that, that's, that kind of shows in my talk. You mm-hmm. know, it tells them, it tells everybody, look, I wanted to be in technology, man. Mm-hmm. You know, be, you know, when it's, it's at this point in this in, in our lives where this is where I wish it was when we were in our 20s. Because we would have been totally into it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, and I tell another thing, I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I was like, there's not too many 50-year-old nerds right now who are black. Not many. It's not, not many. too there's many. There's a lot of programmers that that really stuck with the programming as mm-hmm. opposed to the coding. You know, they're, they're um, programmers with, you know, big-time software. Degrees, But they yeah, never went yeah. into the coding, like, you know, mobile. Let's, yeah. let's say mobile. Like I met some young guy at the Best Buy who's in the home automation that he actually built a, a motor. F- he bought the motor off of, I, I can't remember, but he built the curtains. The rods come up and down. His oh, whole, okay. He said his house is 98% home automated. Wow. Except for the solar panels. He was a young guy, though. Yeah. He was younger than us. And me and him sitting there just going back and forth talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, how many 50-year, 55-year-old people? And he was Can trying. that kind of conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is who I am. Because you made me somewhat some part of it, the home automation part. You mm-hmm. maybe do. And I do a talk on that as well. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that there's not too many of me out there. And that's no. why I call and myself a unicorn, because, you know, nobody can relate to who I am. Well, there's not too many people. And then when you say unicorn, sometimes people just think there's one side of, well, you're a unicorn because you're uh, a female black coder. No, no, no. There's plenty of female black coders. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you're a unicorn because you're a female black coder who does mobile and have an app at 51. No, no, that's that's not just it either. 
I'm a 51 year old that can sit down with anybody when it comes to technology and talk and about talk about it. it. Yeah. And I got an app. Yeah. And I'm building another app. Yeah. And yeah. I know about these things. And I want everyone to know that you can do it too. Exactly. So that makes me. A, I have a list of things that makes me a unicorn. It's just not one thing. Exactly. That's where it's confusing with a lot of people. I got men telling me, "Well, you know, yeah, I can relate to you." No, you can't relate. No, you haven't lived my life. No, you can't relate. Yeah. I'm sorry. I no, you can't relate. It's. I mean, this this one of those things that you know, everybody you know is so impressed with who I am. But so when you say you can't relate, did you tell them why you can't? No, I tell them why they can't. So why they can't? Because my experience and my story is totally different from yours. And you cannot compare me to your story. Because a lot of them com- try to compare. You know, I'm an old person and, you know, I'm having the same difficulty. Yeah, but you're not a black woman. So that's my point. You 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 don't gloss over the obvious. So when you, when you telling them that, don't gloss over the obvious. Well, first of all, you're not a black woman. Mm-hmm. So you don't know the struggle that I had to do as a black woman. That's mm-hmm. the primary thing. So when you say, I know how, no, you may know the aspects of being old, but that's just one part yep. that you can relate to. So saying there's certain parts that I can relate to, I got you. But you can't definitely not relate to what I've, what I've been through mm-hmm. because that's, that's just true. So what was the feedback that you got, you know, soon as, you know, I, I was there when you had the the questions before the talk was over. But when it was officially over, there was a whole bunch of people. Oh, yeah. See, so, so a lot of people, the one thing I've learned when I do my talk, a lot of people don't like to ask, want to ask questions. Oh, during yeah. it. They like to talk to me on a personal level. And some of them um, are like, I really love your talk. It changed the way I think about um, what I need to not only do in their in their in their how would you culture, mm-hmm. but also um, what they want to do for their daughters or um, their wives or um, or even the women in their in, in their in their in their jobs. Right, right. You know, and you know how they've been through it. You know, and how difficult it was for them. And what do we? What can I do to make a change in in my culture? In my, you know, at my employment. Okay. So a lot of management. So you know, um, I did this talk for um, Swift Fest um, a couple at? of weeks ago in June, Where and at? I got a standing ovation for closing. Where at? Um, that was in Boston. Okay. Okay. And so did the same talk, and the um, it's different response depends on where you go with the story. No, no, I got you. They, I mean, they love the story there too, and a lot of them, um, like I said, a lot of them ask questions. In fact, um, Steve Marshall, who works for the government, mm-hmm. he's offered to help me. Um, um, Department of Justice, right? Yeah, Department of Justice, right. and he offered to help me build my app in um, GitHub, open source. Okay. You know, um, so those are things that, you know, again, is um, amazing because just a lot of people in different areas, for example, SwiftFest wants me to help them with their conference next year. Really? Yes. So. Based on what? Based on the fact that there's not too many black people there. (laughs) Based on the fact that there's not too many um, black people helping out. Oh, okay. So they they want to perspective. 
part of what you was talking about, one of your talks is about diversity, about if they think, oh, we, we got a good conference, black people will show up. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have black people helping you set it up, you probably won't get a lot of black people showing right. up. Right, and no, they got. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of black the the our, my my people that I know. Remember the big guy, um, Shabazz. Mm-hmm. He was there. The one that was we saw at the um, uh, at um, WWDC last yeah. year. He was there. Then my other friend from Florida, who's IOS developer, he was there. Wow, he came all the way up there. Mm-hmm. And then my boy, um, um, it was Jasbo. He was there from California. Right. And so all of them are black male developers. Black male? Yes. Yes. You know, emphasis on the male again. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so there wasn't too many black women there. You know, um, there was, and it was more male than there were women. Obviously. (laughs) Well, we know there are women iOS developers. No. So the, the problem with that is, you know, a lot of input and sometimes when I go to with you is you see more women when it's a women's conference as opposed to a regular conference and there's not a lot of women there mm-hmm. um, but they should be part of the regular attendees women should be because there's a lot of women coders and programmers mm-hmm. and tech people that are women but it seems as though because it's male dominated they they get an uncomfortable feeling and maybe I won't feel welcome there. Right. And um I think you help when you show up and say, Well, uh, I'm keynoting or I have a talk. And they be like, wait a minute, wow, they have some women with some talks or keynotes on there. So it may attract more women to show up too, which which is a good thing. Cause I think one of the younger ladies that was there, I forgot her name, forgive me. But uh she was real excited just to be there. And then to have you there because she was telling me she's like really good I, they, they tried to make me do a talk but I tried my best and she didn't really have a lot of confidence but it made her feel confident that when you went up there mm-hmm. and she said I think two days later she went in and spontaneously they wanted her to speak about something so she had the confidence to walk back up there and do it again because she saw that you did it and, and again, that's why I said that's the amount of influence that you have with a background and confidence to say, yes, you can, you know, um, which was which was really good. And that's why I, I kind of asked, and I'm glad you said that, what was the feedback afterwards? And then you said, yeah, people aren't, aren't going to ask spontaneously and in the middle of the, oh, uh, the no. talk. Oh, no. A lot of, the, like, for example, one girl put on Twitter after I did the talk that she was abused and raped and dragged. And I was like, that is, and she said, because of fine black woman, she got the strength to talk about it. Wow. And so that's what I talk. That's what I really, really see the, the power of my talk and how it expire, inspire people to release or get to to do what they want to do. Gain to, confidence. Yeah, gain exactly. Gain, gain the confidence. confidence. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, for example, that talk is the most popular one. If I, like, for example, I just submitted to Django Conf US, at US and I keynote the same talk to them last year. And oh. I submitted two other talks. Was that the one in Italy? No, this one was in um, Spokane, Washington. Oh. 
And so when I submitted the other talks, um, um, the Forgotten Coders, Women Coders, mm-hmm. they didn't want to do hear that one. Okay. And so the other one was um, United We Stand, uh, Together, un, uh, Together We Stand or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to do, me to do that one. Okay. So totally understand that. Oh. Because it doesn't fit into their um, actual Yeah, what talk. they want to hear about. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and then I move on. Those are the things I'm, you know, I've learned. Like, for example, there's a SWIFT conference in New York. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's something, SWIFT NYC. And that's one of the most popular ones in New York. And they do one every year. And she do, she picks her people. So that's SWIFT, though. It's only SWIFT. Mm. And so from there, I keynote in um, Amsterdam. So that one is the same talk I'm, I talk now. So I think it's it's important. I mean, the one that you roll out is how people can see themselves. Yes. And I think that one, you know, gains confidence. I did like the one you didn't put out there. What about diversity? Yeah, I took that out. Why is that? Because... It's not what people want to hear. Really? Mm-mm. It, the diversity part got to the point where it's more important to get men to help women. Right. They can make a change. And you told me this. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like you, you can't put this in. You can't put this in if it's going to make them mad. Un- said, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. So I said, okay. Took it out and say, okay, this is what y'all need to do. Y'all can fix this. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is... Support the women that works in your August office. Yep. And that support is not degrading them, you know, insulting no. them, you know, telling them, you know, you don't want to hear what they got to say. Support them. Mm-hmm. They're there. They want your support. I had one at the Swift Fest. One girl said, well, how do I get people to, to see me and respect me? And I was like, those men that's sitting there that's disrespecting you, that one of them is going to help you. I said, you know who they are. They support you and you don't realize they're supporting you. Get them to support you. Because if you get them to support you, then everything changes. Yeah. It changes the whole scope of the whole office. So you're going to have to fight that battle. Because you can't just sit there and just think that they're going to just see you. Or, or respect you just exactly. to respect exactly. you. Exactly. I said, yeah, I said, girl, get, one, get two of them. Hell, get three of them. They will help you, I promise you. But you got to go to them and say, I need your help. Yep. So I say it goes, it goes that way. So that's what I tell, you know, when women or men ask for what do I do? Help them out. Mm-hmm. Stop. I mean, that's why I stopped talking about the diversity thing because everybody talks about the diversity thing. And yeah. and the thing is, is that it's not working. And I don't and want to it, say it's it, not working. It's, it's not just, working at a faster pace. Right. It's not working at the pace that you want. Right. And everybody wanted to work at a faster pace, and it's not. It takes time, and it's going to take a lot. The statistics have shown it's going to take a lot of time to get the numbers up for more women to be in technology. And it's really when the mindset of the management makes it unacceptable that people are not treating women equally. Well, see, my friend Richard became VP of the, the, the software engineer part of the company. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling Richard for the longest. I was like, Richard, you know, you just can't, there's just not going to be easy for them to just to bring in somebody. 
Okay. And he's like, no, Alicia, they can do it. Now that he's VP, he said, you know what, HR, you know, I'm looking at the HR and, and the, the, um, the resumes are not even coming in for minorities. I said, they don't, they don't think you're going to hire them. I told you that. He said, they come in and they get scrutinized and, and they're like, said, I'm not coming I back asked, there again. He said, I asked HR to do this. I was like, I know you did. I said, but they don't know where to go. Or when they do show up, somebody's saying something different. If I know when I show up and they're asking me, they scrutinizing me a lot more than somebody of another color, I'm not coming back. And then when someone say, hey, you know what? They got an opening. Yeah, I went over there. They're not hiring any black people. Or, yeah, I went over there. Yeah, but They're see, not hiring any women. And but see, and this is the thing. He, that's what he wants. So HR, don't, HR is stopping it at that point. HR is because he's saying, he's telling HR, I, I need to have more minorities up in here. Mm-hmm. And HR is, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, we can help you. And he said, Alicia, these resumes are coming in and... This is not what I'm looking for. I said, did you tell HR to go? I said, the, I said, what you need to be telling them is to go to women to go. Yep. They got a great database of, of women, women and, and yeah. women of color. I said, so what about going? And I said, there's so many other organizations that they can go to to get minorities. But see, most HR, being honest about it, most HR... Go online with the monsters. Yes, that's and, exactly, and, and, and that's where they get it from. Yeah, right? and yeah. that's exactly, and not, and he, and they're I, not going to get them that way, right? But he has to tell them where to go. And yeah. I told Richard, tell them where to go. And, and then I, it's, it's a little more work. Yeah, but he, but he'll get what he wants. Exactly the same with automatic with uh, WordPress. This black guy emailed me talking about how do I get more black people, and I said, dude, why are you asking me? Women of Code has got a whole conference going on. If you want women, yep. He said, well, it's kind of too late. I said, well, then you need to understand that you need to go over there, talk to women of code. They have a database of where you can post your job. It does. I mean, when you post your job, women will apply if they feel they can fit in. I said, another thing is a lot of women don't got no WordPress experience. Come on. Yep. Because yep. this is not a popular, what you call it? No, it's not. It's, yeah. You know, so you really getting either some old school people or you probably get somebody with technical background that you would teach that. Yeah. Do you have any form of apprenticeship? Yeah. That's your best bet is to build somebody into it. Right. But So, I mean, these are the things that, you know, you know, I hear. I mean, this is after I talk, after I do my talk, I hear, the, I hear these same questions all the time. Mm-hmm. How do I get black women? How do we get my minorities in there? Well, the thing is, the, require, the criteria for a man to get in is different for a woman to get in. Mm-hmm. You'll think that they're going to say, no, it's not. Yeah, uh, it, well, yes, it, it is. is. I said, if I tell you how to do it, you're saying you're lowering your standards. But you are lowering your standards for the men you bring it in. Well, we're really not. Well, let me explain how you are. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not necessarily. See, you're not even understanding your own process. And and that's part of the problem, mm-hmm. too. Because they're always saying, oh, no, well, you know, we want more women. I said, well, I'm going to tell you how y'all do it. Your boy, working in the company, have a friend, hook him up, have no skills, no experience. Mm-hmm. You bring him in. Oh, he was, he was in my dorm. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, my frat brother. Yeah, exactly. A woman comes along, don't have to hook up, has the skills... And you're going to say, mm, she's not a good fit. Or, remember, you told me this too. There's 
this guy who has a degree from Georgia Tech, Georgia, ah, Georgia State, and then this woman who went to a boot camp who's been programming and, and knows the job, but they're going to get the guy with the degree because it's most likely he'll be able to do the job, but he has no experience. Mm-hmm. He just has the degree. But they're going to bypass the woman because, eh, you know, we, we we trying to get someone with a degree. No, what you really want is a person with the experience. Yeah, and that's what's going on. Now they're starting to see now that a college degree don't mean nothing. Because the people come, you can do the job, right? Because the people coming out of college who claim they have this coding experience, the code is old. They learn, yeah. They ain't not that keeping up with the no, it's not. And so they're so when people ask another thing, a lot of um, people ask me, a lot of young people ask me, a lot of women ask me, should I go to college for it? And I'm like, listen, there's boot camps out there. Mm -hmm. There's like ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. A college degree costs. Maybe three, four, five, six times that much. Take the boot camp, mm-hmm. learn the code, do your portfolio, go get hired at a company. Let them pay for your college degree. Yeah, if that's what you want as a degree. If that's what you want, exactly. And or, or if that's what they require. Right, exactly. Yeah. A lot of them are stopping stopping that requirement now. Mm-hmm. They're not looking. They put it on there, but they're starting to understand the college degree don't mean nothing. Well, they they like a lot of plug and play now. Because you want, hey, look, I need somebody to be up to speed to code because we got a project. We're hiring you for a project. We're not just hiring people to be programmers. Mm -hmm. We're hiring people for projects. So if you can code right now, I need you. I don't need someone I have to teach and bring them along and put them in the bullpen with the rest of them. I need someone who can contribute immediately. And that's where a lot of businesses are looking at. Yeah, so well, like you're absolutely I, right. Well, like I did in my presentation, mobile um, engineers are in high demand, but women are not in, cannot get into that cap, that cannot get into that field. It's a very hard field to get in. And a, some of the women that I know, know who got into it, either was working for a company and got promoted into it, or they had a mentor that showed them how to get into the field, into doing it. Right. So it it varies. So, you know, again, these are things that people ask me after I do my talk. And it is just amazing. I try to direct as many women as possible into coding. Um to learn to do there's a lot of free boot camps out there for them to actually learn from. Um and I tell them just go for it if they like it. Um, then, you know, keep on going with it. And, you they, they know, can. yeah, can. I mean, that's if they like it. I tell them it's always good to find out if you like coding because a lot of women say they want to code and realize that's not for them. But try it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know sometimes it excites people because they see it from a distance, but sometimes some people don't have the mental aptitude to do it. I get bored. I can code, but I get bored because mm-hmm. coding takes a lot of discipline to stick with it and go over it and stick with it mm-hmm. and go over it. I don't have the actual discipline to do that. Right. So I want to thank Alicia for stopping by the Minorities Report. And you can find her on coffeewomenintech.com or if you want to reach out on Twitter or Instagram is woman on either one. But if you want to hear any of her podcasts her podcast is under woman tech talk 
that you can find on all podcast downloads or go to bougieblackbrother.com. So see you next time on the Minorities Report. Take care. So Come between this So I'll never let Come